Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Houdat Jedi podcast. This is episode 142, the first one of the new year, and it is uh, Carnival Eve. We're recording this on 11th night. Can we say that? Is that a thing? Sure. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, tomorrow starts Carnival. So, yay. <laughs> You know, hey. if you're not from New Orleans, one of the favorite sayings down here is happy almost Mardi Gras. You know, we have T-shirts and stuff like that uh, during the holiday season. But uh, so and and if you're not from here, uh, tomorrow's the official start of when it is OK to eat king cake. Even if you are from here, tomorrow is the only time when you can start eating king cake. Which reminds me, I need to go to the bakery down the street here and go get some king cake tomorrow. Um, I have my orders. Um, yeah, from but, tomorrow from tomorrow to February twenty first. That is the period. That is the only period. The number of the counting shall be three. No more, no less. <laughs> Five, Five is right, right out. out. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the best. That, you know, that's one of the best lines. Oh, so okay, I have no that whole movie. I mean, come on. That whole movie is well, except for the ending. The ending of that movie is just. <laughs> where it's like they're like oh crud we've got to be done with this tomorrow and here we go look my leech camelot 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 it's only a model um but anyway uh no i said lobbest thou thy holy hand grenade yeah there's some there's some great stuff especially if you're raised catholic um but uh we'd have to do a whole monty python uh episode sometime Maybe, yeah. It would just be us quoting the movie back at the screen, though, I think. Okay, so, by the way, it, one of my worst movie experiences ever was there was a theater in the town we lived in, Nebraska. Um, there was a theater that would show um, older movies. Basically, they just had, like, a DVD player plugged into a huge McClunky. screen. You know, sorry, you have to clunky that out. But anyway, they're showing Caddyshack. And so my friend and I are like, yes, we get to go see Caddyshack on the big screen. This is going to be awesome. And I do not mind if you quote the jokes as long as it's along with the movie. There was some jack wagons sitting like (laughs) about five seats down from us that were hitting the punchlines like a second before the punchline came on the screen. And... Oh, it's like the theater wanted to destroy these people. Oh, it just made me so mad. At least you'd seen that movie. People have done that to me. Um, when when my wife and I went and saw Hamilton, I had never seen Hamilton before. And there was a drunk lady ahead of us that was singing the song. She had all the songs memorized. I mean, she loved the soundtrack, whatever. But she was singing before the songs were being performed because she knew they were about to be performed. So it's like you took and a lot of drugs me. and you listen, you're listening to, yeah, it was bad. It was very, very bad. She almost ruined the experience for me. Well, did you see the footage from this week of the drunk, I'm guessing she was drunk, the lady who disrupted Wendell Pierce, New Orleans on Wendell Pierce, as he's doing death of a salesman. No, uh-uh. and oh, no. Yeah. In the in the middle of this of the performance, he has to stop and basically tell this lady to get out and that he'll pay for her ticket to just leave. And she like the whole. I mean, she's throwing birds to the entire audience. Who is, you know, I mean, this is a Broadway production. You're still in line. You got your tickets. The whole ordeal. But you can see that he's just trying to calmly. I mean, he's not. He's not insulting. He's not raising his voice. He's being. Uh, Wendell Pierce and just trying to calmly get her the heck up on because otherwise the show can't go on. I'm just like, you know, I wonder if some people forget that the theater is not a concert experience. Like it's one thing for you to be like, like I've been at a concert and I've sang the songs that the band is playing, but there's 20,000 other people around me that, you know, there's loud music, there's amplification. You're not going to hear. Okay. Since I'm not ruining anybody's show. Since we're down this rabbit hole. First of all, I have to say, you know, we have tickets to the Sanger, and I love the Sanger, and they have great shows that come, but it, it drives me nuts to no end that not only can you have your popcorn and treats and everything at your seats, but they will come deliver it to you. It's like this is not a football game. 
So I get snotty that way. But anyway, um, my worst theater experience, uh, we went and saw Spamalot. And first of all, I was looking so forward to Spamalot because I love the Holy Grail. You know, we just talked about that. And but if you've ever seen Spamalot, it is such a letdown because um, the biggest thing is that they Americanized the humor. And I'm going to give you an example because one of the funniest lines in um, the Holy Grail is when King Arthur says, oh, good idea, Lord. And God says, well, of course, it's a good idea. I was 13 years old. I did not need the explanation. What they do in the musical is, oh, good idea, Lord. Well, of course, it's a good idea. I'm God. It's like I didn't I didn't need that at 13 years old. Why do, why do we all need that? Why did you do that? And then um, they have the 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 rabbit, the killer rabbit is a hand puppet. And that's cool enough. Um, and but then they uh, they do something where well, they throw the holy hand grenade and the rock blows up and you see the puppeteer and then he runs off like, oh, no, you saw me. And it's like, this is dumb. But and of course, that- the the tone deaf one of course this was released what back in back in the day when we weren't really thinking about these things all that much but again one of the funniest lines in the holy grail is after the castle anthrax and uh galahad says to to lancelot you know he's like maybe just a little bit of peril he says no it's much too perilous and he says i bet you're gay and you know that was just, that was no. a fu- that was a funny joke yeah he said no i'm not you know it was just one of those things that was just kind of that whole thing and they have that in the musical and then they have a whole musical number that just outs Lancelot and it's just it's so in bad taste um so but so, no so okay Aaron, but I haven't got I haven't gotten to yeah. the the bad part yet I'm sorry so okay. at the end and I'm one of these people that also thinks that a, you should a standing ovation is not a given at any performance it, it it's something that should be deserved and earned and Spamalot was not that. But then you don't want to be the one jerk who's just sitting there with his arms crossed. So everybody stands up. And we're up in the balcony at the theater that we're in. And I'm at the very end. And so I'm like, okay, I'll stand up. And so I'm standing up and clapping. And at that time, the confetti cannon that is like eight inches from my head goes off. And I get hit in the temple with plastic <laughs> confetti pieces. It was like Ford's Theater and I'm Lincoln. It's like, and so the people's in a standing ovation. I get shot in the head. I'm like, what the hell? And all the, the theater staff's looking down like, oh my God, he's going to sue us. I mean, it's just like, so I'm just sitting there looking for blood and because it wasn't like paper confetti. It was like the discs that we have on Mardi Gras beads, you know, that type of thing. I just got shot in the head with it. Oh, so yeah, that's. That's my worst theater experience ever, everybody. That was, that was a good story, actually. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I will say the thing that you're talking about where with some of over explaining some of the plot elements. Well, I, you know, modern movie discourse, it's a plot hole if you don't explain it, Aaron. Yeah. So that's, that, you know, that's where we're at right now. You, you have to explain everything or it's a plot hole. Yeah. Get on with it. Yes, get on with it. Get on with it. Oh, I am enjoying this scene. Get on with it. Anyway, all right. So there we go. Let's. <laughs> uh, so tonight we're gonna be talking. There's. It's a new year, and we got new Star Wars Bad Batch premiered uh, with two episodes. Season two premiered with two episodes yesterday, and we're gonna talk about both of them. It's basically one long episode. Um, and, uh, so I'm going to be honest, it's going to be just kind of more high level stuff because it's kind of inconsequential episodes, really. It, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, it was still nice to have new Star Wars. Um, but first let's get our brains wrapped around, uh, oh, uh, let's, I don't know. You'll probably know Fan Expo New Orleans is this weekend. So I think you can probably still get tickets. Um, I'm, I'm going out on Saturday and I've decided I will be wearing my Hoodat Jedi t-shirt. Um, nice. So, um, have Let me to... know if you need more stickers. Maybe I can hook you up with some more stickers. Well, I, I might have to get some stickers from you and just hand them oh. to random people. Um, I can do that. Uh, so I, but uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's do some. Uh, 
trivia to get our brains wrapped around Star Wars. So, Dave, to you, what type of uniform is Luke wearing when he first meets Princess Leia face-to-face? Stormtrooper uniform. I would think it would be swaddling clothing because they first met when they were born. But yes, Stormtrooper uniform. Yeah, you could say a blanket, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) but it was a Stormtrooper uniform. Yes, that was far too easy. Fredo, Mm -hmm. what character inspires Qui-Gon to clarify that, quote, the ability to speak does not make you intelligent? I think I've had this question before. We probably uh, made it through both decks. So. Yeah, it's Jar Jar. It is Jar Jar Binks. All right. And to me, who literally speaks from the side of his mouth where a tusk has broken off? Oh, my goodness. Who literally speaks from the side of his mouth where a tusk has broken off? The, I have an idea. You guys are all both squinting too, and I'm stumped. Oh. Okay, hold on. I get. Oh no, I know who it is. It's um, it's uh, the the diner guy, um, uh, Dexter Jetster. No, I'm wrong. I was gonna say Watto. It is Watto. Ah. It is Watto. All right. Yeah. That was a hard one. Oh well. That's what I was. At first, I thought Dexter, but then I went, "No, he doesn't have uh, tusks." What it does? Anyway, okay. <clears throat> well, I suck. Dave and Fredo rule all. All right. Well, um, by the way, uh, one of the things as your favorites, Dave, uh, Britt and I watched uh, Glass Onion um, oh. over the break, and it was very, very good. And I've watched it a second time, and I love the fact that. Right, he, he does give you everything. It's not like they went back and like film stuff to show, you know, what actually happened. It's all there. Uh, it's such a well done movie and good cast and everything. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it was better than the first Knives Out. Um, I don't think so. No, I was just gonna say I could see Daniel Craig doing these because he. It, I'm surprised he hasn't done more comedies. The guy's got great timing. It was you, Dave, that was on your list, right? Of favorite things, or was it Fredo's? I don't uh, think it was on my list, but we uh, may have I thought somebody mentioned it all. I thought somebody said it. Anyway, I saw Glass Onion. It was really good. Um, and it, it, yeah. So I, I saw an interview with Ryan Johnson and uh, Daniel Craig, I think, were asked whether they would uh, adopt the Muppet idea that people <laughs> have been brandishing online. And they said they would do it and that they that they want to do it. And, um, so, like, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I, I think I'd go for it. I think it'd be Make amazing, it. but like, it might be universe breaking at the same at the same time. So, alternate universes. We've we've established a multiverse. Let's go with it. There you go. All right, but I know one of our news bits. So, toss it <laughs> to Fredo for news. Uh, Ryan Johnson was in the news. So yeah. So because of Glass Onion, uh, Ryan Johnson has doing the interview circuit, you know, talking about what he's doing next and kind of what's going on with it. And so during, while he was talking to Wired, they had they said, quote, we have to ask you about Star Wars. Is there a status update on the trilogy you were going to make? You know, that fabled Ryan Johnson trilogy that's coming after uh, The Last Jedi. His answer is this, quote, there is no status. Right now, I'm just focused on the mystery movies. That's kind of taken up my whole creative sphere at the moment. Because not only is he making, they just make Glass Onion, he's supposed to be making another uh, Benoit Blanc Knives Out murder mystery movie. Uh, so they continue. Are they still in the works? He's, Ron's reply is, I still have conversations with the folks at Lucasfilm and with Kathy Kennedy. And it's my hope that we can still do them. So kind of not obviously not not confirming or denying anything, just I'm saying, Right now, I'm doing one thing, and that's where my brain and my mind are, and uh, we hope it still happens, which, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if that ever does come to pass, because, uh, I mean, later on down the story, they discussed in an interview, they discussed the uh, reality of dealing with internet trolls, the reaction to Moses Ingram and how Star Wars defended her this past year, so it came out in favor of all that. How so, much, uh, but, you know, it makes you wonder, it's like if the, the easy answer is, 
No. And let's talk about Glass Onion. I mean, that's the easy answer. So he gives that answer and it almost is like, like, yeah, I need Lucasfilm to get off their butt and do something about movies because I've got ideas for movies. But until they do, I'm going to go over here and do the murder mystery stuff. You know, I mean, that it seems like it's a, an answer to try to light a fire under somebody. I mean, otherwise, the easy answer is, no, nobody's hired me to do anything. I haven't written anything. Next. And to be fair, and to be fair to them, I mean, it took him. Uh, Knives Out came out, I believe, 2019, 2018, 2019. And he's getting last in him now. Basically, turned right back around after the deal was done with the promotion. And he's the writer-director. This isn't something where he's just asking somebody else to come up with it or asking somebody else to take over at some point. He is... That's his baby from start to finish. So it probably takes him a good bit of time. And the idea then jump from that horse to jump into creating and crafting a Star Wars trilogy, never mind one movie, but three. It's probably going to take him at least a couple of years just to get his mind around that and make it work. So you're right. It might be a situation where he's saying, if you want me to do this, at some point you got to tell me when do we, when do I need to start devoting my time to it? Yep. It's not just, I just come in and start working on somebody else's script. That's not our role. I, I suspect it might be the opposite, that he has regular, that he's being honest, he has regular conversations with them. And then when he gets asked about this in the media, he doesn't want to give a wrong answer that would get back to whomever, Kath Kennedy or whoever. And then now I got to have a conversation with Kathy about this comment that I, that I threw out there, you know, it's like, no, let me, let me be effusive enough and let me make sure that uh, it's clear that I still want to do this thing um, so that I don't have to have an annoying conversation later on. I, I feel like it's might be a little bit more of that, but you know, Ryan Johnson, Ryan Johnson liked one of my tweets one time and I about got all giddy. So. <laughs> I'm, and, and to be fair, Dave, you're probably right. I mean, the, the answer he gives is no answer. I mean, he says, there's nothing happening with it. We're still talking. So he doesn't slam the door shut, doesn't confirm anything, doesn't deny anything. He just says, I'm making my fun mystery murder, murder mystery movies with my silly best bud, Daniel Craig. And, you know, he leaves the door open for uh, a future Star Wars movie to happen or trilogy to happen. And if it does, great. But he's, you know, he clearly, you know, doesn't want to necessarily slam a door shut there if he doesn't have to. And it'd be easy. Like, like you get that question every time you do the press junket. So it's like, stop asking me about this. Like I gave them, I gave my answer on that already. Well, if you, if you get snippy like that and you say something not, like that, people are going to be like, Ugh. I'm not saying get snippy, but I'm just saying yeah. it's just an easy answer. No, not right now. I mean, but it's again, like I have nothing for you. But I mean, by yeah, I, I don't know. I uh, people read into that and they'll report on it, and then you got Kathleen Kennedy calling you and like, what's going on? What's up with this? Interesting you know? to see how things roll when once Bob got Bob Iger starts uh, um, sinking his teeth into what's going on movie wise. But anyway, okay. So, but to kind of go to Dave's point, let's go to the next bit of news yep. that came out over the holiday break because. Uh, uh, Ron Ron Howard was doing interviews also, I believe, in England. He gave the answer that I it. just wanted to say. <laughs> exactly, he gives the answer that you know that might get you the phone call from Kathleen Kennedy. So, you know, he's talking to Enemy about, uh, I believe, he's talking about to them about Willow and some other stuff. So they ask him about Solo Two, you know, the potential sequel to Solo. Um, Solo. And he says, his answer is this, the only discussion that I'm aware of about a sequel for Solo is coming from the fans at this point. I don't think it's a Lucasfilm priority as I understand it, end quote. He does add, there's some great characters launch and the folks from Lucasfilm love the fans and really do listen, so I would never say never, but I'm not aware of any concrete plans right now to extend the story or deal with that particular set of characters, end quote. So, Ryan Johnson saying nothing's happening, but hey, we're talking. Ron Howard's telling you nothing's happening, and it don't look like anything's gonna happen. 
I mean, you know, the, the, and that, that whole movement, that whole make solo two happen, uh, I guess, phrase guy down. Uh, now the phrase, it, I think it originated with the, uh, the folks at, um, the resistance broadcast over on, uh, oh, what is it? Star Wars news net. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of cool that, I mean, they, they got a lot of people using that hashtag and they've, I mean, like I said, they've had Ron Howard and, um, others, you know, respond to it. Yonas Swatomo is also, you know, he'd, well, obviously he'd like to play Chewbacca again. Um, but I also wonder that to me, it's Ron, you need to give this answer. So these people leave us alone about solo too. You know, it's it's kind of one. I, I would not be surprised if that was, you know, give this answer so that they will. It it's it's like when I was when I was in the Irish band the first the first time we played Kansas City Irish Fest is because I went on, um, I sent an email to the people who was on our email list and I put it on our blog. Hey, everybody, contact Kansas City Irish Fest and tell them they need to hire the band I was in. And I heard the story later. The reason we were hired is because they got all these emails. And I knew the guy, he's like, they, he went to the place that we got to hire this band because they're making so much noise. They ended up hiring us back again. But then next year, everybody started stealing my idea. And there was actually a post on the Kansas City Irish Fest blog post, quit sending us emails about your favorite band. You know, okay, we hear you. Yes, you like this band. You like that band. You like, quit sending us emails. You know, it was like, they were really ticked about it. So it works once. After a while, it starts to annoy people. Um, so um, I would not be surprised if Lucasfilm said, you need to give this answer, Ron. Anyway, that's or, sad, or even though. Just, or even just took the handcuffs off, right? Like, this is what he wanted to say. And they were like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Because it's not happening. And I I don't know how I feel about it. Like, there's that. there's been the rumors of the Lando series, right? Right, rumors. Um, they had a logo. That wasn't rumors. Kathy Kennedy stood up on stage with a big... It was Kathy Kennedy with a big logo that said Lando and announced Donald Glover. So that was that's not like fan people saying... rumors since. But I'm I'm saying that... that, But Make Solo 2 Happen started strictly from the fans. Lando was, we're doing this, and they announced it at D23. And then it's, yeah, gone the way of the dodo. So... Has that been officially canceled at this point? I mean... I don't think it's really? officially let it canceled. I think it's on, just, you know, just let it wilt on the vine. Nobody's talking about it. Yeah, but much in the same way as Rangers or the New Republic, it just if you don't give it, you know, if you oh, don't well, give it oxygen, canceled. that got well, canceled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were like, yeah. "We're not doing that anymore." She messed yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know somebody who knows Donald Glover, so maybe I can just ask him. Say, "Hey, can you give your give your buddy a shout and?" see if this is happening we'll see if we can get us some news here <laughs> yeah I, and i guess that's the point is that it's it was a fun universe to play around in and the, and it were great performances pretty much all around and i'd like to see more so but... particularly given the success of andor and how leaning into the not jedi v Sith, not the grand uh arc of things be making it more gritty back to just character based drama well, the Lando so series the opportunity would, for that. The Lando, Lando series would that. just be fun. I mean, you, you don't need right. anybody. All you need is Donald Glover. You yeah. don't need anybody else. I mean, it can be like, and again, we've talked about this. If it was his, uh, you know, the Calrissian Chronicles, and he, you know, talks about, you know, then back in '62, I went to, and then you know, you fade back and have the, you know, harp that gets us a little flashback music, and then. He's off on his little adventure for the week, and that would just be awesome. And you wouldn't need anybody. So, yeah, it was. It also feels like it has a better shot, doesn't it? Because like Solo was like a box office flop, and in, in its way, because it didn't make its money back. Um, but the Disney Plus, they 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 have that churn. They you know they need television shows, and they need to constantly be producing things, and so maybe and then yeah, but it's but it's not a prequel era. Clone Wars spinoff. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the bright side, Donald Glover's finishing up Atlanta. So, if you want to grab him, he's available, right? He's going to be available pretty soon. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Atlanta's wrapping up. So, yeah. so, and you know, he might do a tour of Australia Gambino over the summer, but 
he, he could, you know, you could go, if you wanted to do it, I'm saying there's an opportunity. Uh, last bit, well, this, okay, we're going to chuck this into the rumor. This is 100%, you know, all the grains of salt, rumor, rumor, rumor. Okay, uh, the website World of Real came out with an exclusive on New Year's Eve. This is the headline. Damon Lindelof's Star Wars movie set to shoot in April. Charmin Obaid Chinoy to direct. So, we know that Damon Lindelof from Lost, The Leftovers, Watchmen, was supposedly one of these guys writing a Star Wars script. Him along with Taika Waititi and a bunch of other people. So the big news that they can report is this. Uh, quote from them. Damon Lindelof's Star Wars movie, set in the sequel trilogy era, will start production in April. The film will have a new set of leads, but some characters from the last Disney trilogy, meaning the sequel trilogy, will be making an appearance. Damon Lindelof's writing the movie alongside Justin Brick Gibson and Miss Marvel director Charmaine Obaichinoid will be taken over as the director of this one. Now, again, rumor. But we are, we do know, again, like uh, Aaron was saying, Bob Iger is back. Maybe one of the first questions he had when he walked back in the offices, why the heck isn't there a Star Wars movie coming out this Christmas? Well, and one of, I've mentioned it before, one of the Disney podcasts that I listen to or watch on YouTube, they... Um, they said that uh, one of the criticisms of Bob Chapek was that he like put so much into Disney Plus, and it hasn't done as well. It's it hasn't done as well for the company. We like what they're putting out for the things that we like, but overall it hasn't done well for the company. And you know Bob Iger talked about you know when he bought Lucasfilm, his whole thing was we need to make Star Wars movies. Um, so. You know. I would you consider it. I mean, Disney Plus just went up in price last month. So it's now comparable in terms of cost to uh, something like Netflix or HBO Max. You know, at least we get the Disney bundle. Uh, so there is a premium element to Disney Plus and, where they need to be constantly giving you product. Well, and that's but the thing. Get, getting 15 bucks a month from everybody is not the same as getting half a billion dollars global sales and we can walk well but bob Iger is also bob Iger is also um he is a traditionalist in the way that i mean i could see it's about going to the movies and he's uh, he's also reportedly not happy with the fact that i mean just disney content in the theaters has been you know it's it's i mean we haven't when was the last to toy story you know it's like th when was the last um uh you know, like, Lion like, King. Like, and like, I'm not talking about the live action stuff that they're. I mean, I mean no, it's no. like they haven't they haven't been big in the theaters. So, like and, even like even Encanto, which was last year's gigantic hit, it didn't really become a hit in the movie theaters. It wasn't until it debuted on Disney Plus over Christmas week, 2022, I'm sorry, that it really blew up. And you know, and when everybody is, sat down to watch it, a lot of that is because you know people are now starting to be a little bit more comfortable going to the theater. So now might be the time to strike, you know, to let's get some movies going. That, that we're seeing now with Avatar, right? It doesn't have any competition at all. It's a big like theater experience movie. Uh, and so people are going to it. And like, again, we, like nerds like us sit around and sort of like talk about like, there's, is there a cultural impact to those movies and not, really um but <laughs> average theater goers they're into it like i'm gonna go watch this thing because it's shiny and 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 well, there's movies. huge explosions and and that's where star wars roots well in, are, in movies right uh, going to a movie theater and let's put aside you know pandemic stuff i mean going to a movie theater is a time for all of us to get lost from our daily crap that is you know it's like you go to a theater so you're not surrounded by the house that you have a mortgage or that you pay rent on you're not you know surrounded by oh i've got to do laundry or oh, i've got to do this you're you're it's total escapism and you you get whisked off to an, other worlds and you know 
take on new identities and everything like that. That's what a theater does. And yeah, it's great that I can sit on my couch and watch these things on Netflix and, uh, you know, Disney plus and everything. But it's not the same. It's not. And, no. and the popcorn you make at home is not the same as the popcorn that you get in the theater. You know, it's just, it doesn't matter. It's not. So sneak in is usually as good as the candy you can get. <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, no, but I was going to say, I mean, I grew up, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up with part of our Christmas tradition was Christmas day going to the movies. Like after, you know, after you had the whole, you know, presents and lunch and everything. Okay, everybody's hanging around and just staring at one another. Okay, everybody get in the car. We're going to go see a movie, whatever's playing. And that was just something that we did because, was... yeah, there is a point that during the holidays where you're just like, we need to get out the house. Everybody needs to shut the heck up. And uh, we just need to be having a, a, a good everybody experience. And that was the easiest, cheapest one to do was go to the movie theater in the evening uh, during the holidays. So it's surprising that we didn't do it this year, but that's also part and parcel of the more recent reality of life. But um, yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess just to, just to kind of you know, finish and bring it back to the story, I'd be surprised. I mean, at some point, one of the, you know, we know that there's a number of Star Wars projects, you know, being kept on low simmer. At some point, one of them, they, they got to grab one of them and go, okay, you finish cooking this. I don't care if it takes you all year, but we need to have a movie out by either Christmas 2023 or Memorial Day 2024. Get it done. You know, we've we've sat here and we've talked about how like oh, people like what's wrong with Star Wars and we've defended like the output that they've had, right? And I mm-hmm. I, I I stand by those sentiments, right. but I also feel like there is a big gap in that there is not a feature film component to it because like that is star wars at its roots i mean that's what it is and and it seems sort of like you're wasting the property in a way if you're conceding that to marvel or avatar or whatever um and i know that movie the movie business right now is fraught with you know peril because of the attendance issues and that we had the covid and you know like i i get all that um, but I feel like we're 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 at we're there. I think I think we're there. I think Avatar is proven. We're we're ready. Spider Man did it a year or uh, the year before. Everyone went and they saw Spider Man. Um, this year, everyone went and they saw Avatar. Um, people are ready. So hmm. the 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 audience is ready. I think the demand is there. Yeah. I, I ain't going to see Avatar. I didn't see it the first Avatar, so I'm not seeing the second Avatar. So I saw it. I'm not into you know from what I've heard of the reviews. Uh, it sounds visually dazzling and story wise kinda like more of the same. So I'm pretty much okay and waiting to watch it on TV because no. but, but Fredo, to your point, everyone who who went and saw it was like <laughs> the, the Christmas Day people. Like I'm going yeah, to the exactly. movies. You know, like what and am that's I gonna say? Yeah. That's what's playing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, all right. Well, Bad Batch. So let's talk about stuff that's on Disney Plus. Bad Batch season two um, was, like I said, the premiere was yesterday. We dropped episodes one and two. Um, if you don't remember what, if you don't know what the Bad Batch is about, or if you need a little reminder. Um, these are, this is all based on, it's kind of an extension of the Clone Wars animated series. These are, um, five, five, four, there's four right now, a a set of, um, what would you say they are, um, they're experimental Clone Wars. They are Star Wars 18. They're, 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 they're (laughs) they're like messed up. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It's, it's the 18. Um, but uh, and they've got uh, Boba Fett's little sister uh, Omega running around with them as well. Um, so <clears throat> where we left off is that at the end of season one, um, they rescued Omega from Camino, and just as the Empire was carpet bombing uh, 
and destroying uh, the main city in Camino where all the clones were um, created. Their home. And so, yeah, their, their home. home. Um, so we open up season two. <laughs> yeah, Ellie, I agree. Uh, we open up season two. Um, and uh, well, let's just talk as kind of a high level. The, again, I, I mentioned it for, right at the out the gate. <clears throat> there, there was nothing really substantive of these two episodes except to remind you that of who the people were and it i mean they they had they had kind of a a lesson about war and i will give you that but as far as propelling a story forward not not a whole lot i didn't think um but it was i i there were some things in there that i think were hints of what's to come um i'll just give you my thoughts right off the bat um it's it's clear that hunter is losing his alpha dog status that other members of the unit are you know starting to voice their opinions and not just following what he says um right off the bat um hunter is obviously distracted by focus more on omega and getting her life off he's he's being dad um and uh it's a it's I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's a distraction to the overall mission um, because Echo is upset thinking that they should do more in fighting the the Empire and, and helping other clones. Um, and I also think that uh, there was some foreshadowing that we are going to lose at least one member of the unit in this season because it was the first time you ever saw anybody like actually really wounded and fearful for their survival. And that was tech when he was pinned down and then he got his leg crushed by something. And, um, so I have a feeling that there was some foreshadowing say we're going to, there's going to be some losses. Um, but you know, well, I'll let you guys talk. There's other things that there's a big message that I've, I've mentioned on the podcast before. Um, I'll just point it out. I'll just throw it out there right now is that, you know, the um, where I said, you know, one person's, you know, one person's hero is another person's terrorist, you know, type of a deal. Because Omega even comes out and says it because they're they're going to steal some of count dooku's war chest to they they're they think they're being robin hood and echo was like saying how you know it was bad of dooku to steal from people for his cause you know so it's like if it's okay to steal from people if your cause is good i don't know it, it was just one of those things where she was like, isn't that what we're doing? We're stealing this stuff for our cause. And Echo was like, no, 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 never mind. You know, <laughs> so um, it was uh, it was kind of interesting. But like I said, that was it was to me, it just seemed like it was a, a fun filled couple episodes to get us back into who these people were. Fredo gave me a lot of looks that he disagrees. <laughs> so I think he should go next. He's got a lot to say. He's got a lot to say. I'll say one go, thing. Go, Dave. I'll just react to one thing that you mentioned, and I thought that it was an astute observation, Aaron. That's my uh, one. Which is that uh, it seems on the surface like they're sowing the seeds of discord um, in that their objectives aren't like 100% aligned right now. And I think like they will eventually probably pay that off as well. And like, may yeah, maybe some maybe they lose a member. Um, maybe the, the the unit like fractures and they all kind of go their separate ways at some point. But I feel like I feel like the drama of this season, um, like that, may be a major theme for us. But um, yeah, I mean, in a, in a general sense, I, I I thought it was kind of more of the same. The A team getting into adventures, you know, and it, it felt like it felt good to 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 see our. Uh, our heroes back in action again. Okay, so let me pay off all those looks. Uh, no, because okay, first of all, I do agree with you. It's a fun two-part opener. I agree with you all that they know. I mean, the writers of the show know these characters. 
they clearly know you know where they want the story to go and as a starting point it's not a bad one from the standpoint of they're still paying off stuff that we haven't seen that we did not see during clone wars the tv show but we're now seeing the aftermath of so the idea that how dooku was immensely wealthy the idea that of course he'd been strip mining separatist planets for his own wealth the idea that palpatine would turn around and say go get that money for me you know but much in the way as el chapo or any other drug lord would uh so i love those and the idea that you know the bad batch would be sent in and they would see, you know, that there's fractions of friction forming within the group because they're a military unit who's always defined by their mission and by how they were different from the clones. But they're not around the clone army anymore. They're not soldiers in the traditional sense. So now they're having to find new ways to define themselves. For Hunter, he's been defining himself more and more as Omega's dad. And so what's his mission in life is to protect Omega. That's why he's like, I'm not so sure about going literally into a planet being strip mined by the Empire is the best idea. Whereas Echo seems to be more gaining a sense of identity around the injustice that he's seeing in their missions. And he might be the one who ends up going like, okay, I need to go and help out the you know, whatever becomes, you know, turns into the rebellion. Where I kind of sort of disagree on this one of my looks is I was loving, because in the two episodes, we get to meet one of the survivors in Dooku's planet. And as that old man was talking, all I kept thinking of was uh, Stanley Tucci's line in the first Captain America movie, where he says that the first, the, the thing people forget is that the first nations that the Nazis uh, conquered were their own. Because Dooku, he's saying Dooku pretty much did the same thing. You know, he, we didn't want to be separatists. We didn't want to rebel and fight the Republic and all that stuff. Dooku turned us into that, and then our reward for all that was the Empire came and carpet-bombed our planet or city to the dust. So I love the idea that the Bad Batch is going, uh, walking on the ashes on the remains of the Clone Wars and trying to figure out what's, what what got left behind by this gigantic conflict. So, See, and, and that's, but, and <clears throat> that's where I, I take a little bit of issue, because one of the things, I started laughing a little bit, because when you see the Republic gunships come down, I remember, you know, Dave, I think you mentioned in a previous episode that it's like, man, it's like the, the prequel kids are getting all sorts of love. They're getting all sorts of love. And it's just like, I mean, we got a lot of clones in this episode. We got a lot of Republic gunships. We got, I mean, there was a lot of prequel love. Um, but here's my, and, 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 but here's my deal from a storytelling standpoint is that and i've always been one to it's like i'm i'm not quick to say filler episode because you wait until the season to see how it all pays off and stuff like that um but for but you end season one with such a kind of almost cliffhanger like oh my gosh they're taking you know the they're taking uh what's her name nala say or whatever her name was the the camino and to the the guys who look like the guy who was trying to clone Grogu, you know, it's like that's the last thing you see in season one, and then the first thing you see in season two is them running from crabs for no apparent reason other than they're they're doing another job. You know, it was like, why can't why can't we why can't we start? It, you know, season two with you know a clear continuation of the story from season one. Or don't end season one with with that. You know what I mean? That and so that that's my. It's becoming my criticism of, of Dave Filoni a little bit, is that it's becoming very formulaic. It's becoming very formulaic. And and again, it was. I I get your point about you know, the that Clone Force ninety nine is you know, you know what you were talking about that they're they're starting to explore these things, but you know. I wanted I want us to get I I, I like I like this this series because it's the bridge between the prequel and the sequel trilogy and we're still stuck in the prequels. It's like let's let's move let's move the story and it's like it's like I'm, I know we got what twenty two episodes so we got some time so Aaron calm down I get it but it's like 
that and it was just kind of ridiculous for them to be running from crabs. All I could think of was the South Park episode, crab people, crab people. <laughs> Actually, the, the funny thing is that's a reenactment of, uh, what was it, Pirates of the Caribbean 2? The opening where you meet Jack Sparrow and he's running away from the people. From they're the they're running from giant space crabs. It was it was just which that's like uh, now we're into spice pirates. No, that was space herpes. Um, <laughs> well, okay then. Ice, the, ice uh, pirates. You never saw ice pirates. Yes, no. of you course never, I've seen ice pirates. That was the first that. time I heard the word herpes. That was the first time I heard the word herpes, and I was like, "What is it?" <laughs> but anyway, um, so no, there it, it was. Like I said, I. It, I get your point. I get your point. And, and I think, you know, ultimately, you are correct with the criticism of Filoni. And this is one of the difficulties when you have Filoni running the Mandalorian and overseeing the Bad Patch and overseeing Ahsoka, is that he probably is planting all these Easter eggs and seeds and all of them. They're like, oh, you know, you're going to have to do the homework and watch all of them in order to get all these payoffs. And you're like, well, wait a minute. No, can you just tell me one cohesive start to finish storyline? I well, think we are going to get payoff on on Nalase and the, and the cloners. It's just clearly it's not going to be where we're going to start because they're just trying to reintroduce everybody to the Bad Batch. And I think that's where this episode was really these two episodes were really interesting because they're establishing them that they've grown, that they've they're more adapted, they're more comfortable being not members of a you know elite military unit, even though that's the way that they were. What they were created for they're branching out into other things like even somebody like Riker who was running around with a cannon from a uh separatist tank blowing stuff up i mean did you find it interesting that they were sh they were shooting to tranquilize they were not shooting to kill except for when he had the tank gun then it was the tank. like that was the one time that's when they're know, like okay was, i mean again there were th there were elements to this that i really thought were quite powerful because i did pick up on that it's like they don't want to kill their brothers you know and you know it brings into you know we could let's start having a civil war conversation you know it's like you're when you're literally going against your they, well they were they were literally going against their brothers in both you know civil war and that batch here this episode um so that i you know i understand that um and so that was an interesting dynamic. And then I thought the one other part of it that was really telling was when, let's just call them the bad clones, you know, the ones working for the Empire, the one dude took off his helmet when and it was like, it was, I think one of the other clones was down, but he took off his helmet. I was like, well, that's interesting. He just took off his helmet. And then, of course, at the end of the episode, spoiler alert here everybody so if you don't want to know what happens at the end but then when the imperial officer guns him down and sends him falling off a cliff i was like well that's interesting you know but it's i think we're also starting to see are we going to start seeing more free will take over but then i got to thinking about something I'm, let me go off on my tangent here um because I, I also think this is total speculation. Why wouldn't Palpatine? Because I'm thinking Mandalorian with Grogu and they were trying to clone him for some reason. Then you got the Rise of Skywalker and we have, you know, the Snoke clones and, you know, cloning of the Emperor and things like that. So obviously he's still playing and cloning. Why wouldn't he try to make an army a Sith army, if you will, that is force sensitive that can wield lightsabers and go around and have little chips in their head. So if when it when somebody starts to when he's done with them, he can just say execute execute order 67 and they all slice each other up and they're all dead. You know, I know there's the rule of two, but I don't think Palpatine has always been strict to the rule of two because we've had apprentices and things like this. Um, the Inquisitors stretch the rule of two. But why wouldn't he want to develop a Sith army that he could then control with a chip? And is that what we're going to start getting maybe in this storyline this season? You got a uh, you got a lot of creative ground you could cover with the whole cloning stuff, and 
keep hinting at these connections um we saw with dooku and this that that was an, an odd connection that we went to dooku's uh home world uh and we got the dooku shorts uh a month ago i don't think that's an accident right um I think like there all of these cloning connections that we keep seeing and, and um, I, I don't think that's an accident. So um, I think like that as a um, as a topic of discussion, for lack of a better phrase, uh, is not something that's going to go away. We're going to talk about cloning and it's it's going to play into the plot. And, uh, you know, is it going to be? you know dark troopers or some variation of that or is it going to be something else and are we gonna you know who knows but it is kind of fun to speculate um how uh, what what's omega's role ultimately going to be in all of this um and and then like we talked about some of these larger themes and important topics like you know duty versus honor um and and how like if you if you are presented with a you know an order that is dishonorable what is what in that situation do you do um and they and they they've chipped around that that question um quite a bit in season 1 and i'd like to see them get back to that because like that that's the fundamental crux of the, well, that was... the difference between them and uh their sniper friend who uh who we st- oh, haven't sir. seen yet <laughs> well, that was that was the the I mean the end of the episode where he's like, no, I'm not going to falsify this report. You know, again, yeah. it was you know choosing to ignore an order and then getting gunned down for it. Um, another thing, just want to get your guys' take on this. That was there, um, like I said, another moment besides them taking the helmet off that made me stop and go, hmm, that's interesting. Was when Omega wanted to in in clearly the homage to the um indiana jones crusade Crusade, (laughs) when she was wanting to get you know the war chest and by the way in these episodes make it a drinking game and anytime somebody says war chest take a drink um but but uh and echo is telling her no and she stops and she closes her eyes and takes a breath and centers herself in a very Jedi-like way. I'm not saying that she is a Jedi, but I'm wondering, are we going to... Again, could she be the first... Of, could she be a Force-sensitive clone that makes then Palpatine? Because we know Palpatine's coming in this in this season, in this series. You know, we've seen images of him, but could that be, oh, there is a clone that is Force-sensitive that we didn't you know inject midichlorians into you know i don't know maybe she's the first go around before they get to grogu well and and by result of the rise of skywalker we know where all this cloning stuff leads to because we see it in the tanks on exegol we see it on the fact that somehow palpatine returned somehow palpatine returned so we know what they're i mean it's a joke now it's a meme now but the fact is all this story all the story about the cloning elements of the programs the dark programs dark troopers all this stuff that uh, palpatine was investing in it's all designed to grant him immortality and we get the result of it on episode nine so we know that there's a very strong demand i mean we also got it with rebels where we see that Palpatine's ultimate goal is not just being the emperor of the universe. He doesn't just want to rule the galaxy. His goal is, I want to live forever. Mm-hmm. Like I told Anakin, I could kind of sort of do it and I could kind of sort of keep people alive, but I really want to figure out how to not give this power, how not to shuffle off this mortal coil. So it's going to be interesting because the clones seem like, well, we know they become a mechanism for him to achieve that. And if the idea is that, a, that, a that Omega is that proverb, that first experiment that somehow manages the trick, he would be very much in demand after her. He would very much be like, wait a minute, this, so you need to tell me that we randomly made this happen. I want to know more, get her in here. And that would totally put him 
in the literal crosshairs of crosshair and and all the other people now what i found interesting is that officer guns down i think it's captain wilco because he refuses to the direct order you know they follow his duty not falsify a report because the report that that officer wrote said to moff tarkin was clone force 99 died they're dead they're going to die on camina so he's trying to keep this <coughs> under wraps so yeah. i do wonder how that's going to play out over the season wonder when crosser is going to find out that his brothers didn't die and all that stuff and when he's going to be sent down to hunt them because it's coming yeah i would hope they they i mean they they've introduced that as a plot a thread so like i hope they let it play out for a little while um it would be kind of disappointing if next episode they're like oh by the way tarkin knows now I mean, like, then why did you kill that guy? Like, what? What are we doing? Um, yeah. So, like, yeah. Let's, let's let's play it out for several episodes, and and you know, see how there's some tension between you know that lie and 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 it blowing up in the guy's face eventually. So. Well, and Andor um, was very successful at making us entertained by you know political infighting within the Empire. So. Um, that's a very high standard to attain here, um, and, and we probably won't reach it, if I'm being honest. But, um, you know, never say never. Um, and they can do a lot of really good things. We know Filoni uh, is capable of of really good storytelling. Um, I mean, the Last Crusade thing, that, that you know, that's just like, well, I'm a Last Crusade fan, so I'm throwing this in here. You know, it's like that's, um, but it's <laughs> it's still a storytelling device. You know, like she's she's lost her way a little bit, and we're gonna get her back on track. You know, um, and I think there's a lot of potential in that too, in that idea that like Omega, um, the the whole reason, and they they say it very explicitly, like our lives are in a complete are in the toilet because we're doing this for you and like because of you we saved you it's about you and they show her at the you know like the end of the episode and kind of doting on her and everything and it's like yeah i mean and so like for her to go like off you know like for her to go like dark side killer at some point that would just like completely like blow up everything that they're doing so obviously i think there's a little bit of um just a little bit of tension that you can mine there as well with her character and make sure that she's on on the correct path and she's she's a luke not an anakin yeah. right you know like i said it was uh because the alarm just went off so maybe putting a start to put a bow on things there's not a lot we can report on just after these two episodes but i think like i said i think we see some some seeds that were kind of obviously planted um what i hope with all these things that are coming out with we got bad batch right now we got ahsoka coming up um we got season three of the mandalorian and with Dave Filoni's hands in all of it, I hope that he's going to start tying them together and having, cause I, I think it would be an, I'm starting to see how those could be easy threads. It, it, it's not far fetched to say, well, how did Grogu get to where he was, you know, um, at the beginning of the Mandalorian, cause he could have been there for a long time maybe the bad batch maybe that was their last mission they hit him you know we assume that you know the mandalorian took out bad guys but i mean maybe there were like i said maybe that was their mission um you know you could see i i'd like i said i just hope they're starting to link these things and maybe ultimately save the rise of skywalker a little bit you know i mean if you if you nice. make, like I said cloning a little bit more um of that of that storyline so hopefully like i said it, it just it all starts paying off a little bit more i think that i think that's part of his intent um and, and not like i don't think he looks at it as i need to save this thing but he more of the point of what what don't people see in this beautiful thing that I see in it? 
which is what he did with the prequel films, right? Um, with the Clone Wars originally, um, which is like, I really like this. I really like what George did here. Um, why don't other people see that? Well, let me just help them see it. Um, and I think like, like, again, like with the cloning stuff in particular, it just, it, it does feel like he's trying to sort of massage the sequel trilogy in the same way now. Um, and you know, I, I respect that. I, I appreciate that. And I, you know, I'm with you. I hope that like some of this stuff connect in a way that makes a little more sense. Um, It'd be lovely too, like if he throws a few curveballs at us, where you're like, it it connects in an interesting way. Like, whoa, I never thought of that. That's so cool. Or oh, that mean this thing led to this other thing. I get it now. You know, um, those sorts of revelatory moments. Um, I I would love to have that happen. Do I think it's gonna happen? I I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Um, but I, I I like that he's out here trying and. Um, the story <coughs> on its own so far, uh, I've enjoyed. Um, I liked season one ultimately, and season two is picking up where season one left off. Kind of. Yeah, I guess, I guess for me, uh, if there's anything that I want this show specifically to get into, it's to kind of get into that fallout of the Clone War, the impact on the clones. We're going to get other shows that are going to deal with the cloning, the Jedi, the grand story of Star Wars from prequel to sequel. This is the one of the few opportunities where Star Wars, a story about warfare, can actually delve into the aftermath of the impact of the people who actually fought it. Who actually, you know, when you start discussing the idea, what happens to soldiers when the war's over? What happens to soldiers when you can't take your uniform off? Or when you run away and you're trying to deal with the aftermath of that, when you don't have a home, now, there's all these sorts of really serious issues that does, you know, that probably will not will just get a light tap, for, you know, in a show like that Badge, because ultimately it is the Star Wars A team, it is fun adventure hour, half hour. And of course, but I would love, but I would love for this to kind of delve into some of those elements because we don't think about them enough, and it doesn't get brought up enough. Obi-Wan Kenobi gave us one moment where we saw one clone trooper begging on the side of the street and how that hit Obi-Wan. You know, the impact of seeing a clone in uniform asking for change. And it's just, I wonder how that, you know, how we think about seeing all these clones. What's Because we know at some point they're done away with. We know that the stormtroopers are coming and it's, you know, that switchover, how that happens. From the standpoint of the Emperor's point of view and people like Tarkin's point of view, the clones were a product. They're not people. So I wonder how that's going to play into it. I would love that we get, if we get to see more of those elements of all these clones, well, not just Bad Batch, but Rex and Cody and all these other that we know are going to come, how they start redefining themselves in the near in the, in the post-Clone uh, War galaxy. And of course, I hope we also get more of the Wanda Sykes character that was mm -hmm. in there for all of 30 seconds and then mm -hmm. is gone. <laughs> it's like, yeah. doesn't even come back in the second episode. You think they, you know, it's just like, Oh, here's this. It's like, yeah, cool. A new character. Okay. They're gone. But anyway, um, so now we'll, we'll talk more. We'll see what happens. Uh, just another episode coming up in next week. So, um, we will talk about that one. Um, but yeah, it's just fun to have some more Star Wars back. So, and uh, everybody, everybody, get ready for Carnival. Make sure you're, you know, remember it is a marathon, not a sprint. I'm not ready for Carnival. Not ready at all. We never are. It always like turns up, and now you got to deal with it. So it turns it turns up like 20, uh, 20 uh, fellow friends and fans and family who want to crush on your couch. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thanks for listening. And everybody, if you're at uh, Fan Expo New Orleans, if you see me on Sat, I'll be there on Saturday. Um, come up and say hi. Um, but uh, like I said, I think you can still get tickets. I'm getting a couple autographs. Uh, um, 
Giancarlo Esposito and uh, Emily Swallow. Um, the uh, the the Clone Wars folks, Ashley Eckstein, Matt Lanter, and um, uh, James Arnold Tyler, they're um, they're only doing photo ops. I, I still they still aren't. I can't believe that they're not like signing things. So um, I don't really want to go get a photo op. But anyway, um, but anyway, like I said, go out nerd out and. Uh, the 501st will be out there. Actually, my friend Ed is also in the Louisiana Ghostbusters group. So I'm going to see. We might have to have him on the show sometime to talk about cosplay because he's in a couple groups. Um, but anyway, I digress. So until then, you can hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook. Bug us while we're at work. We love it. Um, and we will say, who dat? Who dat? Who dat? And everybody have an awesome, awesome week. My monkey.